podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Special summer episode of Barca Talk. I'm Brian Henderson, and the reason for this special episode is to introduce the new and improved Barca Talk. If you've been listening to this show, you know that most of the time it's just me talking, but it turns out that another Barcelona-centric podcast was happening at the same time called Cule Football Podcast, uh, produced and hosted by... Gabriel Quiroga. Well, he got in touch with me, and now the two of us have teamed up, and we're co-hosting Barca Talk now. So if you were a listener of Cooley Football Podcast, you are in the right place. So let's get him in here. Gabriel, how's it going? Uh, it's going really well, Brian. How are you doing over there? I'm doing well. So you are in Madrid, right? Yeah, so I live here in Madrid, Spain. I've been here for the past five years. And yeah, so I did a quick search of you and uh, got in contact with you, and I thought it would be a good idea if we teamed up, and here we are doing this podcast. Yeah, this is really exciting. Um, I'm really glad that you found me, and because uh, it's it's so much more interesting when the two of us are talking. I totally agree. Like I was doing mine on my own, and, um, and so was I. I thought I was getting. <laughs> yeah, I thought I was getting tired of listening to my own voice, and I was trying to get some friends here that were local to try to talk about the about Barcelona, but. Unfortunately, most of my friends here in Madrid are real Madrid fans, so they did not want to participate. Of course. Now, you're, you're in Madrid because you have a job there in Madrid, right? Yeah, so I'm an English teacher, and I work at a school, and then part-time I do social media, and that's where this podcast started. I kind of did it as a social media experiment and realized that there was really a podcast about my team, Barcelona, and decided to take that on as a project. Yeah, so you couldn't uh, you couldn't get stationed in Barcelona. Uh, unfortunately, not. Unfortunately, not. Uh, <laughs> I still am trying to do um, half and half, but it's still a work in progress. So right, which actually brings up to another thing here is that um, I don't know if you know, but uh, like the Barcelona culture, the Catalan culture is uh, always trying to distinguish itself from Spain. So, right. for example, in my job. We have no job opportunities in Barcelona for that reason. So it's it's just all, you know, when I moved here, this was something totally new to me about all the politics that go into the Spanish football teams. Yeah, really. Well, um, I think it's I think it's going to be interesting. It's going to be good. Uh, we're so we're gearing up right now for the coming season, uh, and we're just doing this as like a summer teaser to give people a taste of what the show is going to be like. Uh, in this next coming season with the two of us working together. So uh, what do you say we just, we get into it? Sounds good to me. Okay, let's start the show. Get into some Barca talk. our top story, uh, Lionel Messi has officially agreed to a three-year extension to his contract. And this contract keeps Messi at Barcelona until 2021, by which time he'll be 34 years old. And the contract contains this incredible 300 million euro release clause. And uh, some commentators say that it's purely an imaginary number, because contracts in Spain are required to have these release clauses, but they're seldom paid. Like, seldom does anyone have to actually pay them. Um, so Messi's current deal was set to expire 12 months from now, but rather than wait until then, it seems clear that the club wanted to uh, secure Messi's future. What do you think about that? Yeah, so this has actually been a topic here on the sports show since last, actually last summer. That's been starting uh, about this talk about 
signing Messi. Uh, I mean, obviously, as a Barca fan, very happy that he signed. Um, I had read other reports, too. It's, he's going to get 40 million euros a year, which wow. is incredible, which is incredible. Yeah. Um, obviously, he deserves it. So, yeah, I mean, really happy that he's going to be staying on to the team and, and so forth. Yeah, well, I remember the last thing I read was that Bartomeu was pretty publicly saying like he wanted to not only ensure that Messi would stay on at the club, but that he was going to going to be like the most well paid player in history. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what the the sticking point. I mean, obviously, I think both sides wanted to stay and do that, but it was obviously the money per year type of thing. So, um, right. yeah, I mean, this just goes along with you know Messi being loyal to the club since you know. Uh, since he signed that napkin contract when he was a kid, um, right. I just I just could never see him going to another team. I just think he's so uh, comfortable. His family's happy in Barcelona. Like, there's just really no reason for him to leave. Yeah, and I I just can't imagine him playing at least not for another European club. I and mean, we all know that when he wants to, you know, end his hyper competitive career and sort of go out to pasture, he's most likely going to go back to Rosario. But I just can't see him playing in Europe for anybody else. Yeah, I mean, it'd just be so weird. I mean, it's almost kind of like uh, Michael Jordan when he went to the Wizards. It was such a, a weird thing for me to see. You know, you always have that icon 23 in the Bulls jersey, Messi in the number 10 for right. Barcelona. And it would just be so, I mean, if you went to like, let's say Manchester City, wouldn't that be just like, so, I don't know, I just couldn't see it. I just, I really can't see that. Even with Guardiola there, it just wouldn't seem right. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I honestly, I just think with his family now that he's, you know, obviously, like we we're going to talk about that he just got married uh, last week. Yeah, um, I just think that his family is just super settled to stay in Barcelona, and like he's been there like his whole life essentially. I mean, he moved when he was a kid to Barcelona, so he is, you know, true and true uh, a Barcelonian. You know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, a couple of things have happened with him uh, this summer. Like he finally settled down and uh, got married to his longtime partner. Um, what's her name? Her name's Antonella. Antonella, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. There was tons of social media stuff, pictures from the wedding. Everyone was having a great time. Um, but also, I, this is the more interesting thing to me. Actually, is uh, how Messi just turned thirty. And this has given a lot of people cause to sort of reflect on his career so far. And, you know, of course, his numbers are incredible. Like, he's, he's the leader of the club in goals with, uh, what, 507 goals. Yeah. He's won t tons of trophies. <clears throat> and a lot of people are sort of breaking down all the statistics of, like, what makes his, uh, his time so far at Barcelona great. And, of course, we're expecting even more from him in the future because he doesn't look like he's losing much in his game. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, that's always the most incredible thing that I always uh, look back at his age, you know, because he's been playing on the senior team for so long. You just take for granted that um, he's older than he is. I mean, he's definitely got some miles on him, but I think now, hopefully, with um, Valverde making him maybe a more of a center back kind of passing attack, save some miles on him and just prolong his career even more to use his talents. But it is, it's amazing. I mean, every time I go on YouTube and I watch videos of Messi, it's, it just puts a smile on my face. It's just like so many goals, so many moments. Uh, he's just truly one of a kind of a player. Exactly. And that's, that's exactly what I wanted to say about it is that it's, it's one thing to look at all the statistics and, you know, one day all we'll have is statistics. But then again, we will also have tons of YouTube videos, which is great. But like Maradona doesn't have that advantage. You know, they, they just weren't televising as many games as they do now. But like 
you look at the stats and they're incredible. But then the other thing about Messi is that uh, it goes beyond stats. Like, just there's no stat for how many times a player can like create something out of nothing and just blow your mind and make an impossible pass or an impossible run and do something completely unexpected. Like you can't even understand the physics of how his foot is touching that ball to make it happen. I mean, I totally agree. I mean, that's, you know, with the debates I have with my real Madrid fans here, you know, it's always between Ronaldo and Messi and, you know, I have great respect for Ronaldo, his work ethic, his stats, his career and everything. But Ronaldo doesn't inspire me like Messi. When I watch him, he is like, he inspires me. There's so many moments you watch the game, he just takes your breath away. And, you you know, when you've played and you just kind of realize what he can do with his feet and those quick corner moments and stuff that you can just watch on YouTube, it just, it just takes your breath away. And that, to me, is, ever, is he's going to be leaving a long-lasting image for all time. And Ronaldo, obviously, too. But when you watch, for example, I don't know if you remember, but when Messi did the goal two years ago in the, um, in the Copa del Rey against Atletico Bilbao, and he took on six players and finished yeah. it off. I mean, that is like one of those goals where like maybe I could do when I was eight years old against competition that wasn't good. But this is like the top flight level of Spain, you know? And yeah. it's just like, I mean, it, I love watching that goal, watching the commentators and just, just it's like, it, like when I watch it in Spanish, they say obra de arte, which is like a piece of art. It's just, piece of it's art, just yeah. yeah, it's just, it's just amazing. So, yeah. And like, that wasn't any kind of slouchy defense either. Like <laughs> Athletic Bilbao had a killing defense. Exactly. And that's the thing, you know, it's just, and there's so many moments that he does these things and, and, and with passing, shooting, the vision he has. And, and on top of that, that he's so short. Like, that's the yeah. other thing that just boggles my mind, you know? He's like five foot seven, if that, five foot eight, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, of course, we can, we can go, we could go on and on. <laughs> um, and people do. It's hard to stop once you get started. Uh, and, and I think that's actually going to really be part of his legacy is uh, part of this oral history that we're engaging in right now. But um, so, but let's let's uh, leave that and just say that we're glad he renewed his contract. We're happy to see him in the Blaugrana for an, at least another four years. Definitely. But um, yeah. But let's let's turn our attentions to uh, some other players um, and look at some international play because you know in the summer that's all you get. In international play, uh, we just saw Germany win the Confederations Cup in Russia, which is the uh, the quiet prelude to the World Cup next year, in a 1-0 final against Chile, and uh, Barcelona's own Marc-Andre Ter Stegen was the man of the match in the final. So after a goal from Stindl in the 20th minute, they put Germany ahead. Ter Stegen kept a clean sheet for all 90 minutes. He made a total of eight saves, five of those in the second half. Chile was really coming after them, but he held them off. And... Um, he saw a lot more minutes in this competition because uh, Manuel Neuer was unavailable due to a fractured foot. So, I mean, I, you think he's like, is Ter Stegen the future of goalkeeping for Germany, you think? Uh, definitely. Not only for Germany, but I think in, in football because not right. only is he really, you know, he's a tall, like he's physically what you want in a goalkeeper, you know, tall, um, rangy, quick, you know, all these things. But his passing ability is ridiculous. Um especially with how he plays with Barca it's that's the new type of goalkeeping where he's almost like the last line of defense where he can pass distribute um I mean again you go on YouTube and you watch his passing from the box it's ridiculous like he can drop it in a in a box like that but you know I was when I was when we were discussing about the topics we were going to talk and you know we were going to talk about this confederations cup 
I usually get pretty excited about the Confederations Cup, you know, because oh, yeah. it's like, you know, it's like uh, the World Cup is around the corner. But, you know, usually you have high powered teams in the Confed Cup that actually add to the excitement to it. Like when it was mm-hmm. in Brazil last time, you had yeah. Brazil, you had Spain, you had some other really good teams. But this year, I didn't watch one game. I didn't. I yeah, didn't. me either. I didn't and, watch it at all. And the only reason I was up to date with this is because obviously the Ter Stegen news. And yeah, I mean, I definitely think he's going to be their number one. He's so young. He's 25 years old. It's, it's crazy to think how young he is. And yeah. he just has the whole future ahead of him for Germany. Yeah, and that's another good point about his youth is, um, you know, when he first signed on with Barcelona and it was sort of, it was him and Bravo. And it seemed like Bravo was like the first choice. Ter Stegen was really young, and when he did play, he he has this boldness about him. You know, he'll come out of his box, and he's not afraid to come out of the box. And I think a lot of people at the time were uh, thinking that he was a little, like, reckless. And I think there were definitely moments um, in those early seasons when he was a little reckless. But also, he was young, and he was, I don't know, finding his way. But he's still maintained that kind of aggression. Like, he's still willing and happy to come out of his box and make an aggressive move but now he's just gotten a lot better at it and i you know the more time he's on the field the better he's gonna get at that yeah i mean just think about the last three seasons that he's been the number one i mean he's won a champions league he's won la liga and he's won a couple of array and he has so many minutes under his belt now that um not only does he has respect from the defense like pk and so forth but He's also becoming more vocal, and you can just see it. And for me, like, when you don't have to worry about the goalkeeper, like, that's just such a nice luxury to have, you know? Like, I don't know if you remember, like, last year, uh, Manchester City uh, with Joe Hart, like, having that whole saga. Like, he was, you know, he wasn't that good, and he was exploited. And when you have a really good keeper and you don't have to worry about that, it's a really nice luxury to have. Yeah, it's worth it's worth a lot of uh, it's worth a lot of money <laughs> in in a lot of ways. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah, and so here's a question that comes to my mind: Does this? Do you think that Germany is going to repeat a World Cup victory next year? Like, who's who do you think they're really competing I mean, against? Yeah, I would say Spain up there. Um, but this is the thing: is that they brought their B team, and they still pretty much work the competition there germany is the most elite country they have so much youth coming through that and yeah everyone this is what always baffles me like with the u.s national team as well is that everyone knows the style that germany is going to play so they recruit players they develop players to play a certain style that they've been doing since like 2003 yeah so they are definitely the front runner to win and especially it's going to be in russia so it's not like uh this big thing like last time when it was in Brazil with the heat and all that stuff. But, I mean, I definitely think Germany is uh, definitely going to be uh, the favor to win the World Cup. Yeah. Yeah, the climate will definitely more be more like European conditions. And uh, and there's no home team that's in any way a favorite, I don't think. Not like it was in Brazil. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So Russia is not really the strongest of teams. But, I mean, you, you would have the, you're going to have the typical players, right? You're going to have Spain, Italy... Um, obviously, Germany, Brazil, Argentina, obviously those people. But for right. me, uh, I mean, if you look at the last eight years, I mean, along with Spain, but Germany has just has been just as consistent, if not a little bit better. Because here in Spain, what's, what's happening here is um, a lot of the talk is about the youth, that the youth isn't as good as it was before. Whereas Germany is like a factory. They just keep right. <laughs> cranking out these players. So it's, it's, pre- it's so impressive. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, if, if the youth 
players aren't as good. It's I don't think it's because there's a lack of talent in the youth. I think it's because there's a lack of something in the training of the youth and the recruitment of the youth. Like that's why the German model works is because they have such a good factory. Exactly. And, you know, it, this kind of parallels with Barcelona, which we'll kind of talk about at the end of the podcast. But, uh, you know, Spain was in a 4-3-3 and they're transitioning to another formation. So, again, right. it's when you do that type of thing and you're trying, especially with a national team, when you don't have as much practice, as much players, you know, there's a little bit of a lull. So, But Germany yeah. has just been, you know, just like, just like their cars, man, just efficient, streamlined, <laughs> and just... Just right on point, you know? Yep, that's true. That's true. Well, let's talk about signings and transfers, getting back to Barcelona, getting back to the club and the the actual purpose of the show. Um, so in signing and transfer news, um, apart from Messi's contract extension, which is really a story all to itself, things are happening at the Camp Nou. Um, probably, in my opinion, the biggest news is the return of Gerard de la Feu. After Barcelona exercised their uh, buyback clause from the uh, 2015 deal that transferred him to Everton, where, of course, you know, he spent most of his time playing for AC Milan on loan. Um, there's that. And then um, this just came out today, actually. Um, Jeremy Mathieu is out the door. It was just announced um, as we were preparing to record that uh, the French defender's contract has been terminated. He was going to attend some summer training with Sporting Lisbon for a trial period, and then they they were going to see where things were at. But now the way is just totally clear for him to sign on. He could sign on with them if uh, if they wish. Um, and really, it looks like Barca have basically just washed their hands of him. If you read the statement from the club, it makes no mention of a transfer. They just terminated his contract, um, but they do wish him the best of luck and success in his next professional step. So whatever that means. There's that. So there's, there's there's those two things, and I got a couple more. Do you do you want to stop and talk about these? Um, yeah, let's talk about these two first, and then we can continue. Um, yeah. Let's see. So first, like when we were preparing the Matthew thing, I just feel kind of sad because I I just I think he was a scapegoat a lot of the times. Um, I just didn't think he was given the right opportunity to succeed. Um, I think Luis Enrique hung him out to dry a bunch of times last year, and actually the first two years. Um, mm. And I just kind of felt like, you know, we could have used him more in better positions. And I think he, he would have been um, more successful for us. But it's just sad that just terminated his career uh, at Barcelona like that and with a really meager press release and he's off to sporting. So, I mean, I wish him, you know, the best of luck. And I think he'll be fine because he'll be starting. Um, because before when he played in Valencia, he was a, a really good center back. But just playing for Barca, he just had limited time. Yeah. Yeah, I saw him play center back and, uh, what is he, a left back when he's out on the wing? Yeah, when he, yeah. he played left back sometimes. Yeah, for, and I saw him do that for Valencia also, and yeah, he did a great job. And But it's so important to have that kind of consistency, like when you're starting on a regular basis to, to help you know with your game. Uh, yeah, it is it is disappointing that, yeah, he's he's let go with such little little ceremony and like this really brief statement and and they didn't even like work out a deal with any other club they just said like no you know what we're we're good we're, yeah, we're so, done so basically they're saying that it was so much trouble to figure out a transfer fee that they just terminated for whatever that clause it could be like three million four million or something then to even try and do a transfer that's what they're saying that's like how yeah. easy it was you know yeah, they um, they want to devote all their attentions to uh, to still trying to pressure PSG to sign Verratti, which we're yeah. going to talk about later. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then with uh, De La Feo, like I don't know, I 
I like these signings that we're going to talk about uh, inspire nothing for me right now. They just there's nothing like to me like Delafeo. De I think he's going to be a, a good backup for us, but he does have creativity. But this is like his third opportunity yet already with Barcelona, and like this is probably his last chance. So he really needs to make a a dent here. And I think with Valverde being a new coach, I think that definitely helps. But we'll see. I mean, I think he'll be a good backup player. You know. Yeah, so like, where do, where would he play? Yeah, I think he'd play for the Iniesta role. Right. You know, over there in the center mid. He's creative, like Rafinha. Um, he's uh, got a better shot than Rafinha. He's a little bit stronger, especially since he's played in both the Italian EPL. He can kind of shrug people off. He's not as weak, you know, that way. But to right. me, he's just he's just kind of small, and he's, he's had so many opportunities. You know, he was touted as a young talent um, as a kid. But, you know, yeah, I remember that. It, yeah, exactly. But sometimes it just doesn't work out, and you know, sometimes he's gotta <laughs> let him go to Everton. <laughs> right, right, and then uh, and then play in in, in Milan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Naturally, because exactly. that's what yeah. you do when you're Everton. You sign yeah. a good player and then you loan him out to another club. Um, yeah, I I I think I feel the same way. Although I guess I'm a little bit more optimistic about it. I mean. Like you said, you know he's had he's had a number of chances. Though I've heard that uh, playing for Milan, he actually really showed up and did really well. And I think that his performance with Milan was what um, caused Barcelona to to bring him back. But again, like you said, you know we'll see. It's a tough squad to to get on. You know it's a tough squad to start in. And you know we're continually like the the midfield is definitely in a, a period of wane right now. Like the the midfield is not looking great. And, of course, Iniesta is getting a little bit older, and he's still brilliant because he has magical feet and, and crazy eyes that can see everything. But, uh, but you know, so he's hard to replace in a lot of ways, but also he's, you know, he's definitely getting to that point in his career where he's going to have to step down, and they need to, they should have been looking for a better replacement earlier on, or, I don't know, it's, it's hard to say, like, team management and squad management over time, and like, is he going to be the right substitute, or is he going to fill in that role that Iniesta does? I don't know. It's there's no way we could speculate all day, but you know, we'll see, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think the hardest thing too is that this is Valverde's uh, off season, right? So we don't even know really what formation they're going to really do. Uh, we're not going to see. We don't know any of the whole changes he's going to put in. We're just speculating that you know they're going to run a four three three again. So that's right. why it's really difficult, too, because maybe Valverde can get more out of Gomez or more out of Rakitic than Luis Enrique. And if he can, then all of a sudden that improves our squad that much more. So, again, right. that's why maybe these signings can't, are not, you know, they're not going to be these super um, high-priced free agents, you know, that we're going to try to get. But at the same time, maybe Valverde has something. And plus, you know, we have the winter window as well, so maybe there could be something down the line. Yeah, true. Now, I do have a couple others, and um, we, we might... Uh, we might talk about both of them or or none, but but uh, remember Christian Teo, <laughs> and I'm speaking to the listeners now. Remember Christian Teo? It turns out he's been on Barcelona's books this whole time, but now the club have finally sold him. So he went on to loan. He went on loan to Porto three years ago, and he spent the last 18 months at Fiorentina. He was due to return to Barcelona for training this summer. This whole time, like, still under a contract of some sort with Barcelona. Uh, but this deal is sending him completely off of Barcelona's roster and onto that of Real Betis for a fee of 4 million euros. Uh, so this will be the first time that Teo has played in Spain since 2014. He's only had one international appearance for the, on the senior side, and that was in 2013. 
Now, uh, the the second one is that uh, Barca have officially signed uh, Carlos Alenia to a new three-year contract. And the, this 19-year-old midfielder, he was uh, instrumental in Barca B's ascent to the second division, which is another bit of good news. Um, and he saw some time with the first team last season. So whether he, t- whether he plays for the first team this season is, of course, up to Ernesto Valverde. Um, but the club locked in Alenia just after signing away Jordi Umbula, the 18-year-old phenom right-winger, to Monaco for 3 million euros. So, like, what, what's going on with that one in particular? I feel like the Teo is kind of an interesting throwaway story. But. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. I mean, when, when we were writing the, or when you were writing this up about the Teo thing, I was just like, man. I mean, he had a couple moments here and there with Barca, but obviously just could never find his, uh, his um, holding here on the, on the senior team. Um, yeah, I just can't believe that Barcelona still had him on the books. That's just crazy to me. That's just I like, know. <laughs> Like, it's, it's so much like, uh, man, I sometimes the board, like, you know, sometimes obviously it's good to have the board, but sometimes it may be better just to have one person in charge making all the correct decisions or all the decisions. I don't want to say correct decisions, but yeah, but, yeah, but at so. least at least all the decisions are down to one person and you know who to blame. Exactly. exactly. Or who to praise or who to oh, praise. Exactly. <laughs> who to praise or who to blame. Exactly. But I just yeah. think like in these type of decisions, like there's so many chefs in the kitchen, right? Like. You just got, like when you have one person in top, like they can just kind of make the decision and just call it a day. But, but uh, with the Elena, with the Elena um, signing, I'm pretty pretty excited. He, I like the way he plays. I think he has a bright future for Barca. Um, yeah. I, I kind of think of him as a younger, faster, more inspiring version of Andres Gomez. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. I agree. That's a good way of putting it. I mean, he's been hailed in the past as uh, kind of like. Uh, the next Iniesta and I'm not really into um the next anything like that's not anything that like I'm interested in I think it's just a kind of way of describing the kind of player he is but and even if he does great for the club and maybe he will and like he'll spend several seasons with the club I don't know man there'll never be another Iniesta you know (laughs) (laughs) I, I totally agree and you know this what I like is you know this obviously come from the youth team which you know, obviously from a couple of years ago with when we had um, Xavi and Iniesta, Busquets all coming from the youth team, you know, kind of gives a little bit more inspiration. And now with the Jordi and Bula thing, I mean, I wish they could have kept them. I mean, I, it's just, uh, man, I just, you don't want to see these young players go. I mean, uh, just to look at what Real Madrid is doing right now, they're swiping up all this young talent. So they're going to be really, really good and young for years to come. I don't know if you've kind of seen, but – and it seems like Barcelona is not doing that as much as they used to. And that kind of worries me a little bit. We're kind of like uh, depending too much on these big acquisitions. Yeah. It's almost like a weird um, – it's, it's like a Freaky Friday situation. It's almost like the – it's not officially stated and it doesn't have a name, but it's starting – Barcelona is starting to look more and more like a Galacticos-era Real Madrid in its uh, you know acquisitions of big players and that sort of thing rather than the older – well, it's not so old, but you know the more recent model of bringing everyone up through the youth system and through the B team and then up to the first team, you know, like Xavi, Iniesta, Busquets, PK – Messi, all of them, you know, and and I guess is it's an interesting question, right? Is it because like those people just happen to be exceptional people, or is something happening in like the sporting policies of the club that where we're seeing these great players go? And I think like signing away Umbula is an example of that. 
Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, also, I think, you know, a couple of years ago or I think a couple of transfer windows ago when they got the ban from yeah. FIFA, you know, that had to do with signing young players and just doing shady business. So I think that also put a dent in their La Maisa policies as well, you know, that they were trying to recruit from Africa and all this stuff. But, I mean, that could be just another podcast on itself. But, I mean, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that they signed Elena. Um, I mean, like I said, you know, we don't know what Valverde is going to do. And we're going to get our first peek in the preseason, and we'll be able to start saying, okay, this is the formation. Okay, oh, my gosh, maybe Andres Gomez is a better player. You know, maybe he's a better player than I think or give him credit for it. Maybe he was just in a bad position before, and now he's going to be better positioned. So we, we don't know right now. And that's the end of the first half. Uh, remember, Barca Talk is a fan show. Obviously, Gabe and I are huge fans, so we always want to hear from all you listeners, too, who we assume are Barcelona fans. But you don't have to be as gung-ho about it as we are to listen. You know, we're open to anyone. Uh, I got some great feedback since finishing up last season, and I actually just want to take a moment to read an email. You know, I've gotten a lot of nice uh, one-liners on the website and YouTube, but I also got this email. Uh, it says... Uh, listening to the podcast right now, I'm a Barca fan since 1999. Just recently, I went to Barcelona and visited Camp Nou. What an amazing experience. Anyway, just wanted to give you a shout-out from Farm Country, California. And that's from Angel. And I'm assuming he's somewhere around Fresno, maybe Bakersfield, California. And uh, both Gabriel and I are from California, even though we're both far from there now. It's for me, it's nice to hear from home, and it's nice to hear that we're reaching out to uh, farm country in California. And we want to keep hearing from all of you. Uh, so, Gabriel, what is our what is our status on, on social media and that sort of thing? So, you can reach all our social media channels on our website, and the website is barsatalk.net. Um, also, we have a Twitter, at barsatalkpod, and of course, an Instagram right now, barsatalkpod. Uh, where we post some pictures of our Barca experiences. And eventually we'll be having a Facebook page. But as of right now, just the website, Twitter, and Instagram. Okay, great. Thank you. So, um, yeah, so those are all of our outlets, and we love hearing from you. We also do have a voicemail line. I've been pushing this voicemail line ever since I started the show, and no one has used it yet. But I'm going to give you this phone number. Here it is. It's area code 716-795-2853. Uh, which is a United States number. If by chance you're calling from outside of the United States, you have to push a bunch of other buttons to get to that. But once you push all your extra buttons, you can reach us at 716-795-2853. And if you leave a voice message and, you know, you're not just like cussing up a storm or anything, like we'll put it on the show because we want your voices and what you have to say and what you think uh, to be on the show. Uh, so... Uh, we're both really excited about this new version of the podcast and the direction we're headed in. Um, so we do have a couple more announcements to make at the end of the show. Uh, but for now, let's get back into it. Let's start the second half. So let's talk about Marco Verratti, right? We're, we're recording this on Friday, and the news just came out that uh, President Bartomeu has publicly stated, like he got up at a podium and said that, the, that Barcelona wants to sign Verratti, that everyone at Barcelona wants him there, and even that Verratti himself wants to come to Barcelona. 
but PSG are unwilling to negotiate. And um, they don't really have to if they don't want to, I suppose. They have Verratti under contract. Um, but Verratti's agent, uh, Donato Di Campli, he told uh, Corriere dello Sport that he believes PSG is blocking the transfer out of spite. So it's been the hottest story for speculation this summer, at least with regard to Barcelona and transfers and that sort of thing. And uh, it still doesn't look like the story's over. But Bartomeu coming out publicly like that is definitely sending a message, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I just think he's just covering his back, you know, because obviously this has been going on forever. It's it's no secret that Barcelona wants Verratti and Verratti wants to come to Barcelona. But um, the manager of PSG and the ownership of PSG don't want to let him go. And if they're going to let him go, they want Barcelona to pay through the nose. I mean, that's just as simple as that. Um, and it could be out of spite, you know, it's never, it's never good to have negotiations when spite is involved. Right. And it's like divorces and contract negotiations. Like you just, <laughs> it's like, you just can't do it. Right. So, exactly. uh, you know, and what makes it worse is that Barcelona wants them so bad. So I think this was actually a bad move because you're almost just kind of saying how bad, um, Barcelona wants them and PSG can just use that as more money to get out of them. Yeah, they get a lot more leverage with him sort of like it's 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 like it's like a teen movie where he like gets up in front of the whole pep rally and like proclaims his love for the girl who like really doesn't want to get with him, you know. <laughs> like exactly. you're really putting yourself in a weak position, man. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, this also goes to almost the politics and dynamic of what makes um Spanish football different than professional sports in the US, for example. So in Barcelona, you're a socio or a member of the team, and they have votes, and you get to vote in and out, the management, the general manager, the president, and so forth. And so these type of tactics, like, for example, Bartomeu saying this, he's just trying to protect himself to say, look, I'm trying to do everything I can, but PSG doesn't want it. Don't vote me out. That's the type of thing. So it's always like, yeah, he's looking out for the, for the club, but also it's like politics, you know, trying to stay in office and that whole thing. Right, yeah, it's less, like, this press conference, yeah, is definitely seeming like less of a move for the club and more a move for his own political future or safety. So what do you think? Do you think, do you think, do you think they have a chance of signing him? What is, what is your gut telling you? I don't think so. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think so either. Honestly, I mean, it's, like you said, if it does, it's, it's going to have to be for a whole hell of a lot of money and, but really, I just don't see it happening this year. Here's how I see it all playing out in my head. For one thing, the transfer is not going to happen. Then, Verratti's going to play a shitty year for PSG because he's going to be all disappointed and butthurt that he didn't get to go to Barcelona. And then his contract is going to be up with PSG, and then Barcelona's going to get him. Yeah, I mean, I could see that happening, especially um, the PSG coach. I can't remember him, his name right now, but he used to do in Sevilla, and he's been known to freeze out players like this. So, right. Emery. Emery. There, there. Unai Emery. Unai Emery. So, yeah, I mean... Um, you know, it's just not a good situation. I mean, you know, like in the U.S., like, you know, um, like a football player or a basketball player, when they want something done, they just sit out, right? That's just kind of unheard of here in football. They He could sit out and get leveraged that way, but that's just something they just don't do here. So I just don't see it. I don't yeah. see it happening this season. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I, I think it's going to – I think we're correct in how it's going to play out. 
Regardless of who winds up in the squad, uh, no matter what, the team will return to training on July 12th, and Valverde's management will officially begin. Um, We've talked a little bit about this already. Uh, So no doubt he's been involved with planning and getting the signings ever since uh, he signed his own deal, but now the work is going to really begin on the 12th for the next campaign. And uh, like you've touched on this, but let's really get into it. What are the uh, tactical concerns or possibilities with Valverde? So I was kind of doing some light research about this. And like I've talked to you before about this, my main concern is just the formation. I just think that the 4-3-3, um, as we know it for Barca, is outdated and needs to be changed. Um, especially with the games that we played last season, the most important games. Everyone has the playbook on on Barca and how to attack them, and we still get surprised. So I'm interested to see if Valverde is going to make any tweaks, major tweaks, maybe go to a 4-2-3-1, something like this, putting Suarez at the top, Messi behind him, Neymar on the left, and maybe someone else on the right. Um, I don't know. It's just kind of, you know, for me, I know we, ha- we won't have a problem ever scoring with the three that we have, right? But um, before, when we had the 4-3-3, the reason why our defense was above average is because the other team never had the ball. But now with the 4-3-3 that we have, we don't keep the ball as much. And the other team gets so many more opportunities. And it's just they're, per, they're a professional team. So they can score. And that kind of puts Ter Stegen on an island. It puts PK on an island. And these are the things. We need more of a link up and put Busquets, maybe um, Andres Gomez if he can do it. You know, all these type of things. So for me... The most important is just to see what Valverde is going to do and if the players are going to listen. That's the other thing. Yeah, it's one thing. You can you can lay all the plans you want, but if they're, if they're not really, like, delivering, then, like, what, what was the point? Exactly. I mean, I think Valverde has enough respect because he's been around La Liga for so, off, for so long, and I think the players will respect him. But, again, um, it's just like when Luis Enrique's first year, there was a little bit of a hiccup there of no not winning a couple of games and – there was drama, so it's just that's just how it is here in Spain. They the press only focuses on Real Madrid and Barcelona. So whenever there's one little detail, there's just stories and stories and stories about it. So I'm like I said, I'm curious to see how Valverde manages the team again using uh, other players for uh, competitions and all that kind of thing. Yeah, and like what you were saying about the whole possession, like the possession statistics for Barcelona last year were, you know, about what you would expect, maybe a little lower, which is not good. But then also you got to look at where they were having that possession. You know, most teams were just dropping back and and letting the two center backs just bat the ball around for several seconds at a time. And that's where they were getting a lot of their possession from. It wasn't from, you know, holding the ball in the midfield under under tight traffic and that sort of thing like it used to be you know a lot of teams are just letting them have possession up to a certain point if you look at the heat maps i mean if you're the kind of person and not you gabriel but anybody (laughs) i'm talking to listeners if you're the kind of person who is going to look through the heat maps for every match then you know peace be with you (laughs) you know i'm not going to do it but so i'm just speaking like anecdotally from what i remember like last season most of that possession was in non-dangerous areas meanwhile the opposing team was just falling back putting 10 guys behind the ball and just waiting 
Exactly. Uh, and by the way, I am one of those people that watch that looks at the heat maps. So <laughs> okay, cool. All right, but uh, but good. I just remember like the eye test on the most important games last year, and we just looked lost, unmotivated, and unprepared. You know, uh, like the Juventus game, the first game in Paris, even like a game in Malaga, like where they put like. You know, they put like six people on defense and we had no clue how to break that down. You know, it's like these type of things that are, you know, you have to do advanced scouting and we don't adapt and it just drives me crazy. So I'm 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 really hopeful that Valverde is a little bit more open uh, to adaptability, actually talking to the players, not like Luis Enrique last year. Luis Enrique barely talked to the players, um, which is a little bit strange. Um yeah, he would always just kind of show up for practice, and he would just tell him what to do. But he, he didn't really have this kind of relationship. But Valverde, with his Bilbao players, definitely has more of a, um, a relationship. So hopefully that'll transfer into better results. And I don't know. We'll, we'll, I'm curious to see, you know, because, uh, you know, right. in the past, since I've been here in Spain, there's been – we've had um, uh, Tito Martinez, terrible – I couldn't stand yeah, right. Yeah, that was uh, disappointing. Luis Enrique and then Tito Villanova. Unfortunately, he passed away, right? So these are the, the – man. I mean, obviously with Pep, he left such a legacy, and it's been really hard to replace that. Uh, I think Luis Enrique at times did that. But, again, uh, I think, you know, it goes to two things. If the, if the board completely supports Valverde and the players have his back, they'll be okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so with all of that in mind, uh, let's uh, move forward. Let's talk about the upcoming friendlies. Uh, Barcelona are taking part in the International Champions Cup, which is the annual preseason event that has picked up a lot of steam over the last few years in the U.S., bringing major clubs, mostly European now, in fact, this year all European, to U.S. cities to play their friendlies. Um, The ICC is also held in Turkey and China, and in both of those it's also big European clubs playing in those. Uh, This year, eight clubs are going to be playing in the U.S., including Barcelona and Real Madrid, who will square off against one another in Miami on July 29th. And um, I just checked, and the cheapest ticket for that game is $285, going upwards of $1,500 or so. So it's hard to to tell how many seats are still available, but uh, I'm going to be watching that one online. Barcelona's other two games are against Juventus on July 22nd and Manchester United on July 26th, um, all of which are, again, pretty pricey tickets. So um, I'm envious of anyone here in the U.S. with me uh, who's actually going to those. Also, the uh, the Juan Gumper trophy match uh, played every year at the Camp Nou just before the competitive season begins is going to be played against Brazilian side Chapecoense. You may remember that Chapacuense are the club who suffered a devastating loss last November when um, their plane crashed in Colombia. 71 people died, including players, coaches, and staff of the club, as well as journalists who were traveling with them. And uh, Chapacuense's president has said that Barcelona were the first club to show solidarity with them after the accident and the only club to give any financial support. And this uh, Gomper trophy match is going to be played in in uh, homage to the 71 people who died in the plane crash. And um, just to get your thoughts on this, I like this exactly is one of the reasons why I'm a Barcelona fan, I think. I mean, I'm trying to kind of steer away from the sadness of the tragedy because this is our last um, point for the show, and I don't want to end on a down note. But, it, you know, of course, it was really tragic and sad. But then um, just to see how Barcelona responded 
And not only did they immediately come out to show solidarity, and they donated 250,000 euros to the club uh, to support them, but now they're inviting them to Barcelona to play the Gumper Trophy, which is usually a game they play against, like, another European side, one that they, like, have good relations with. It's it's very much a friendly. It's probably the friendliest of friendlies. And but this this time, you know, they're really like making a gesture, and they're trying to like help Chapacuense with their rebuilding uh, from a sporting angle as well. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. I mean, this is one of the nice things about Barca. Barca's, you know, always trying to look at a humanitarian standpoint, whether it be like their jersey sponsorship when they, you know, when they had um, UNICEF for a while. Um, and then just doing this. I mean, that's that's incredible to me that they were the only club to give financial support. Like, are you kidding me? Like, you're telling me Real Madrid yeah. or Chelsea, they couldn't just, like, give $2 million? Just, like, $2 million goes a long way in Brazil, right? Like, I don't – and it just shows good faith, good gesture. But, yeah, it is crazy to me. I mean, that is definitely another, a nice thing. That, you know, one of the reasons why I love Barca, too, is they're – they're always looking for a humanitarian angle as well. It's not just all about football. So just going back to the first point about the um, the teams going over to the U.S. getting steam. I mean, all the teams here see the U.S. as this untapped market, you know, obviously because the U.S. is so big. There's so many opportunities to get new fans. Obviously, Barcelona is trying to open up a new campus there as well to have um, recruits come from the U.S. as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think... Uh, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but there's a really great YouTube video uh, about the game on Miami. It's a rivalry video. I'll pu- oh, yeah. I love that yeah, video. Yeah, it's really cool. It's a really cool video that gets you j- – but, I mean, paying 285 you're probably – I mean, you think about it. Like, you, this may be the only time you can see Messi, Ronaldo, like all these people playing in their prime, even though they probably only play 10 minutes. But, you know, that's – right. what is the price? So, um, you know. I, I think it's really cool that they more clubs have uh, gone to the U.S. And, you know, the, the football, soccer is really popular in the U.S., but, you know, it's starting to build a lot of momentum in the last 10 years or so, especially with the EPL coming more and just more people are just into it, you know? Yeah, and, like, getting more TV coverage was really what started it, I think. And now we're getting more big clubs coming to the u.s and playing even though it's these you know exhibition matches you know friendlies you're not seeing them at their competitive level but if nothing else if you if they can get you to a game then then they might get you to actually watch the competitive matches during the year on tv you know or online or whatever and you know you you bring you into the fold and like they'll maybe sell some more merch to get some more viewers and and it's great i mean for me i love going to spain Every time my uh, my girlfriend and I talk about traveling, um, she'll recommend like, "Oh, I'd love to go to Berlin." I'm like, "Yeah, that's cool. Like Berlin's cool. Uh, I've never been, but that sounds all right." Or she's like, "Or oh, what about Paris or Venice?" I'm like, "Yeah, those those sound lovely." And then she's like, "Or what about Spain?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, totally." <laughs> like I'm always down to go to Spain, but maybe like some people aren't super excited to travel to Spain for their own reasons, but they still want to see this incredible club. So, you know, it's a good opportunity. For me, I would rather spend 10 times that amount of money to travel to Spain and go to the Camp Nou and like see them in a competitive match. Like for me, that's like worth it. That's like way more worth it. But I could see how like for some people, maybe they just want to like they just want to see this in real life regardless of like the competitive aspect or the lack of competitive aspect and the fact that they don't have to travel to Spain to do it, they can just go to Florida or New Jersey or Maryland, and they can, you know, they can see it. So it's 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 an exciting thing. Yeah, I mean, I for me, for example, like my first taste of professional football or soccer was like 
Uh, Real Madrid came to San Francisco when I was a kid, and I saw them. Luckily, I didn't become a, a merengue at that moment, but um, it opened my eyes to these professional players, you know, and all these things. So, I mean, it does definitely leaves an impact, you know. Um, again, it, they, I'm guarantee after this trip, they're going to make an extra, I don't know, five million just in merchandise. You know, it's just it's great, yeah. or even more, obviously, just people buying jerseys and so forth. But again, um, this is another thing too: is like La Liga uh, needs to market better in the United States because everyone always thinks the EPL is the best league. And for me, it's not, but EPL just has an amazing marketing machine compared to Spain. So um, again, like this is just really cool. I think it's a really good opportunity. I don't know if I would pay $285 to see it. I, you know, it seems a little steep. Uh, I was actually able to go to the Classico in the new camp for 80 euros. So for me seeing this 285, I'm just kind of like, eh, that's right. Yeah. So but you're in a very particular circumstance where you actually live in Spain, and uh, it's not that hard for you to get there. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but but still, you know, would you would you pay fifteen hundred for an exhibition game? Like, let's say if it was a professional basketball, even though it was the best of the best. I don't know, like even just to see a no way. of them. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I don't know. But like, money for me is a weird thing. Like, I'm broke, so <laughs> it, so even two hundred eighty five dollars seems just like so out of the yeah, realm yeah. of. Uh, of possibility i mean like i am literally a, a broke student <laughs> even though i'm pushing 40 years old i'm in a phd program and i'm still broke so like i'm not i'm not going to miami i'm not paying for a hotel in miami i'm not paying 285 for a ticket i'm not doing yeah, any yeah. of that yeah i mean i i i can't even go to new jersey really <laughs> i can't even make it to new jersey for that game that's juventus <laughs> i mean i'm just i mean i they've been going almost every year now barcelona so i i think it's just getting more and more traction more fans and obviously like what we just talked about with the the plane tragedy these type of things just give it a, a better image for barcelona which gets more people in in the door and people to follow the team so i just exactly and I can tell you from um, my personal experience, when I was living in San Francisco, you know, there's a great Barcelona. Um, there's an actual official Pena oh. in, in San Francisco. It's the only one that's west of the Mississippi in the United States. It's a really good group. But then I moved out here to Buffalo, New York, which is a, a lovely town, a fine town. But um, hard to find Barcelona fans here. I'm, I'm very much like on my own. So it's nice to you know connect with the listeners out there. Nice to connect with you, Gabriel, and uh, we're doing this show. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring it out. Let's let's close it up for the day. Okay, well that's it for now, folks. Uh, we're gonna do another one of these, uh, probably a short one, in the middle of the preseason to talk about what we're seeing from the squad and Valverde. And we're gonna be back with a full season of full episodes, similar to this one, after all the friendlies have been played and we're getting ready for another campaign. Don't forget to go to the website barsatalk.net and follow us on Twitter at barsatalkpod, and you can also follow us on Instagram uh, using the same handle barsatalkpod. Thanks for listening. I'm Brian Henderson. I'm Gabriel Caroga. And this has been Barca Talk. Thanks again for listening. Visca Barca. Sports Social Podcast Network.